Hi everyone, this is Lance with just a quick precursor to the podcast episode. Due to the length of our topic and Connor and I's discussion, this episode was super, super long, so we decided to split it up into two different episodes, part one and part two. It doesn't change anything, it's still all the same discussion, just make sure you watch part two once you're done with part one. Thanks, and I hope you enjoy the episode. Hello everybody, and welcome to episode one of Orion's Belt, a games industry podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Lance Tallman. And I'm one of your hosts, Connor Ball. And today we're going to be taking a deep dive in the game Valorant. Yeah, so this is, Connor, this is the first episode of Orion's Belt. There's been a bit of a refactoring, and we'll probably be posting some bonus episodes, quote-unquote, from the first iteration of the podcast at some point. But as for today... Connor, I'm super excited to jump in here. Talk about games and their intricacies. What about you? Oh, yeah. I think that um, getting into the nitty-gritty of games, games design, and all the other stuff that they have to offer would be really, really interesting. Um, and I think I think, I think, think you guys will like it, too. So, Great. Well, let's jump right in. Um, so today, as Connor said, we're going to be talking about Valorant. And Valorant, if you don't know, is a, a pretty amazing game by Riot Games, and we'll give you a big explanation and everything in a second but let me first give you an overview about what we're going to be going over and everything we're going to be talking about so we have what is this like four pages of outline to go through this is going to be uh it's going to be a lot i swear but at the end of this you guys are going to have such an amazing intricate knowledge of valorant it should be pretty great so this is what we're going to be talking about so first we're going to go over and explain the game then we're going to talk about valorant success why the game is successful give some background and some present facts and figures about it then we'll be going into characterization and meta narrative. Uh, then map design, game balance, our gameplay experience, a bit more of a subjective uh, section. The post-launch scaling and game modes, vanity and customization, and then close out with competition, games of a similar nature, and I don't know what we think the future of Valorant is, the big questions. So uh, let's go into the first topic, explaining the game. So what is Valorant? Um, Connor's going to go into it, but first let me give you Riot's definition. So Riot defines Valorant, the Razor Pitch, is a 5v5 character-based tactical FPS, first-person shooter, where precise gunplay meets unique agent abilities. Do you want to jump in, Connor? Yeah, so Valorant is is cool. It's got a somewhat streamlined design, and basically you're going to have two teams, each with five players, and the main game mode is a plant and defuse system. So one team is trying to plant a bomb in Valorant, they call it the spike, uh, and the other team is trying to defuse the bomb. Uh, you've got about like 100 seconds to do that, um, and you only get one life per round. So let's say you get shot um, in the first 30 seconds, then you have to wait till that round's finished, i.e. one of the teams either plants or defuses the bomb before you go into the next round. Um, it's the first-person shooter, and it's a tactical first-person shooter, which means, uh, I guess you could say it's a little more realistic and less arcadey. Uh, than other first-person shooter games. So I guess a good way to say this is that if you were to get shot in the head with a gun, that usually, that's <laughs> it. That's, you're done for. <laughs> totally. Um, but also what Valorant offers is that there's multiple characters and that when you start the game, you select a character and different characters give you different uh, advantages, abilities that you can use within the game to, you know, try and outsmart your opponents. Um also, when it comes to guns, it's kind of an economy-based system where the better you do on any given round, it means the more money you can get, which means the better types of guns you can buy. Um, and yeah, that's basically it. A very, very high view of Valorant, but that's that's basically the game. Absolutely. So should we take a look at 
the background of Valorant, how it came to be? Sure, I think we should, because it is it is a pretty recent game, uh, all things considered, so... And I think even even just touching on Riot Games, right? And we'll we'll go more into depth about them in a little bit. But they only had one game, Connor, for almost I guess a decade. Oh yeah, oh yeah. People gave them lots of lots of crap for ass uh, <laughs> and Riot Games because they only had one game. Totally. All right. So let's talk about Valorant. So Valorant was released June second, twenty twenty. Development started in twenty fourteen. And this is from the game Riot, or the company Riot, Riot Games, uh, which created League of Legends, which launched in, I believe, end of 2008, early to end of 2009, one of those two years, somewhere around there. Um, however, the special case with Valorant, is it released two to three months early? I can't remember the exact date. I think it was supposed to come out September, something, something of mm-hmm, the sort. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it released in June, and this was due to a few things. Uh, one was the pandemic beta, is what, what we're coining the term. Uh, basically... The game came into closed, restricted beta. It wasn't a closed beta necessarily because anyone could get in. But how it worked is there was a a drop system on Twitch. So they let a bunch of streamers in and a bunch of aspiring and prospective players in, right? And then people watch these Twitch streams to get access to the game, essentially. And that blew up. It became insane uh during the beta at the peak there were three million concurrent players uh playing the game which is insane 1.7 million viewers on twitch absolutely monstrous like this is huge especially for a game that's not even released like oh yeah a very new new game not even released and it just it it blew up like crazy and the the fact that they decided to utilize twitch to kind of advertise it i think was very very smart move Definitely the start, I think, of a new trend we're seeing. And it was maybe not the start. That might be too generous to to give to Riot. But one of the most successful examples of advertising via influencers rather than your typical gameplay ads, which of course they still did. But this was just unprecedented success. Okay, so that was back last year. The game came out early, huge hit, lots of players. And looking at it today, it's still one of the top games on Twitch averaging about 100,000 concurrent viewers at any given time. Uh, Let's go to the next page. And so basically uh, looking at that, it's pretty interesting to see how the game has evolved since then. Obviously, there was a huge drop in players just because, I mean, that's how it goes. Once the hype for a game ends, you're going to get more Mm -hmm. of a core gameplay or core player base for that matter. but we'll get all into that and how accessible the game is and stuff like that later. Do we want to talk about characterization? Yeah, so I think we'll just dive right into kind of the the parts about Valorant that really makes it, you know, a, a good contender and a good game, I guess. Um, and I think the biggest one is characterization. So in the game of Valorant, like I said when I was explaining kind of how the game worked, is that there's currently characters that you pick at the beginning of the game and they have both different personalities and also different kind of in-game personas i guess um and currently there's 14 distinct characters the game launched with 10 so they've released about four yeah they've released four since since they came out in june um and every character is given a different category and this kind of denotes what their abilities are going to kind of provide you within the game. So you have what's called a controller, a duelist, a sentinel, and an initiator. Um, 
there's three controllers, five duelists, three sentinels, and three initiators. And basically, this is just kind of going to give each character kind of define both like their persona um, as well as the abilities that they have and how they're going to be used within the game. Yeah, absolutely. Um, definitely, I would say these categories apply to kind of our next point, which is gameplay personalities. They kind of map directly to those, would you say, Connor? Yeah, yeah. And so by gameplay personalities, we're just meaning you have aggressive players and more like tactical passive players right so somebody who loves to go in guns blazing screw the strategy right let's just shoot as many people as we can maybe i have like a shotgun and then the other people who are going to hang back and try to maybe cover the team's rear or defend a point rather than like leave it to go search for the enemy and so that's definitely where all of these different um roles kind of map to connor do you want to give a brief overview of the goal of each role um, sure. Yeah. So basically when what's interesting about the game that I'll mention before I go into that is that since it is a plant and diffuse system, which means that one team plants the bomb and the other team diffuses the bomb, that means regardless on which side that you're on, there's a high chance that you'll have, um, the opportunity to both defend and attack. So if you're trying to plant the bomb and you successfully plant the bomb, then you have to defend it from it being diffused, but if you're on the other side of the team, then um, you have to try and defend them from planting the bomb. So you kind of get both ways, So, which is nice because that makes all these categories useful, regardless on which side of the team you're on. Um, so I'll start with duelists because that's the most in the game. And a duelist is, has abilities that are supposed to help you in kind of one versus one scenarios. So they have abilities that are going to help you kind of give you a slight um, advantage against, against your enemies when it's one-on-one. Um, Controllers, on the other hand, their goal, their abilities are going to kind of help you limit the options that the opponents can take. So let's say you're trying to maybe limit a specific corridor that they're going down or limit some, t- some of the vision that they have or information that they can get. That's kind of what the controller is going to try to do. Um, the Sentinels are cool because they're equipped with abilities that are kind of kind of allow you to hold a position by yourself is what I think would be the best way to categorize them. Um, so they can kind of you can kind of allot your resources into other areas of the map because they can kind of handle it by themselves. And initiators have a lot of um, abilities that are going to help you kind of go into points and take points and really kind of push towards towards your objective. Absolutely, I think you hit the nail on the head. Yeah. So those four are the um, the big categories, and usually a player maps to about one of them and even if they play or sometimes other i mean it so for me for example right i am a total controller player i play omen who is a character in the game and my entire job is to just slice up vision lines with smoke grenades essentially and prevent my opponents from seeing the team come in right so that's my style connor what, what do you yeah, think yours I, is? mine's definitely sentinels um i play a character her name is sage um, and she has a lot of abilities that's supposed to kind of slow down the enemy. Um, so that way my team can kind of get over to help me if they're taking a certain point. Um, and we'll talk about map design here in a second and kind of what that all means. But I know that I don't wouldn't really like to play duelists, for example. I think that would be that would be just too stressful for me. Totally. So, <laughs> can't do it. Cannot um, do it. Uh, I definitely I definitely play the Sentinels, and I'm glad that there's that option there. And it's equipped with those, you know, abilities to kind of define my play style. So 
Now we move into the actual... So we just talked about gameplay personalities and how these roles facilitate different styles. But what about the character personalities, right? So as Connor said, there are 14 uh, different characters in the game with about a new one coming every, what is it, three months-ish? About an yeah, act, something about like that. that. Maybe a little less, maybe a little more, but around three months. So the game has been out now for... Or since June, and there's four new characters, uh, which is pretty impressive. And that's that's big scaling, because if you think of it, okay, maybe four is not a ton, but in two years, if people are still playing Valorant, we'll get into a situation like Apex, Apex Legends, which has 16 characters now. Like, that's... We'll scale up, and this will become a, a big game. So, one of the best parts about these characters is not only their very much defined ability set and their play style, but it's their personality. Riot, as they did with League of Legends, has spent a lot of time fine-tuning the, not narrative necessarily, but the the personality of their characters. They try to create a games that have very much eccentric and lovable characters that you can immediately identify in their look, voice, um, energy, I would even say. Yeah, yeah. And whenever you hear them or see them, you're like, oh, that's that's my character, or that's that character, right? Uh, do we do we want to just jump into how how they kind of do this characterization? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think we should. Um, I guess you know, I'm just gonna guys give you guys an example and explain a character. His name's Phoenix. He's a very eccentric uh, British character. Yep. Um, I guess I can't. It's almost a little bit hard to describe, but it's just. He's got certain voice lines and certain ways about him that make him very unique and uh, identifiable. Uh, what did you say? Absolutely. Oh, totally. Um, he is yeah. so hilarious. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, and it really just kind of almost makes you more connected to the character and be like, oh, my gosh, like that's that's an actual, like almost like an actual person. Like they're that, you know, defined and unique in terms of their personality. Uh, I mean, we say some of his voice lines just around the house all the time. Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah. Cause I just think it's, it's hilarious. Um, and obviously there's all their characters are kind of have different, you know, uh, like different vibes and different things about them that make them kind of unique and, and fun to, to hear and play with. So exactly. I couldn't agree more. Yeah. Phoenix is like your suave, like you said, eccentric, um, character and then we're, we're try, trying to give you uh, an idea of three of the characters that are very different so the next is brimstone who is like your classic gruff military probably a dad prob- probably probably a, a dad, dad. yeah sure um, <laughs> who works for an organization we're not entirely sure of but he has a big k which references to kingdom maybe uh Regardless, he he is either former military or definitely military, private military, something like that. Something like that, yeah. Um, and everything he does is very much team-based. So in addition to the direct personality, how Phoenix will be basically just cracking jokes all the time, Brimstone will be like, oh, let's do this together. Everybody, f- we got this. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. He's very much... His voice lines correspond to his actual role in the universe Valorant has created. Yeah. Um, and that is also apparent in his abilities, which is across the board, how all of it works. Phoenix wears flame. He, he wears like a very, like, I don't know, kind of like techie, techie hip, 
flame jacket. Right. And all of his abilities are flame based. He can, you know, throw fire, create firewalls, stuff like that. Brimstone, on the other hand, as a military man, he has like a a wrist gauntlet, kind of like a Mm Pip-Boy even from Fallout, where he can call in smokes uh, from like an aerial bombardment. He also has like a essentially a Molotov cocktail grenade launcher that he fires and um, a stimulation beacon that makes you shoot faster, right? So they're presented in that way. Do you want to talk about Cypher, our last character? Cypher, yeah. Cypher, um, he's a sentinel, so he's equipped with abilities that can kind of make him uh, kind of hold down the fort by himself. So he's got he's got trip wires and he's got um, uh, cameras uh, as well as like ways to limit vision. Um, and he's kind of like uh, like a very quirky tech user. I think you could almost maybe categorize him as being a little bit awkward. I would agree. Um, is he a robot, Connor? Is he a robot? I think he's he I definitely has some robot parts. So maybe you could say some cyborg things. But um, he's kind of very awkward and kind of adds a lot of, um, I don't know, just lines to the game that make you kind of just laugh for no reason because it's just kind of weird. But he's a really lovable character in that way, um, which makes sense, too, that he's a lot of the times is kind of able to handle things by himself. So it makes sense that he's kind of portrayed as a maybe like an awkward, not nearly as sociable person. Absolutely. I'm very perceptive, Connor. Yes, very yes. perceptive. <laughs> um, that, and the last thing I want to touch on with these three characters and all of the characters in Valorant is their voice quips pre-round. That's what we have written down. It is at the start of every single round of Valorant, one of the characters will either say like a random line like like i said with brimstone he'll be like together mm-hmm. or uh so some sort of just like random quip or especially at the like pivotal rounds um so the first round of the game or like the match point if you're thinking of tennis like the match point um of the game so those pivotal rounds or the halfway point you'll hear characters say maybe like another kingdom infestation or some sort of line that corresponds to a broader story that we don't really know yet as players because the game has not been out that long yeah and so obviously the game is not a story game so it's not like as you playing you're kind of gaining more of a story and going through a narrative um but there still is kind of like the lore uh in the universe that's there um and it's very intriguing uh, it's probably by design because obviously Riot's not telling us everything about it. Um, but the little quips and stuff that we get from the characters, it really kind of adds to your experience and kind of adds to like the inclusion that you feel within the game, uh, even though you're not playing it for the story. Absolutely. What a brilliant segue into our next topic, which is meta narrative. And we basically covered this, um, but there is some organization called Kingdom. There are some sort of like mining tech conglomerate thing they have all of these there's this element called radiant knight that we know so far from the cinematics is pivotal to the world of valorant we have no idea in what way but we know it's like a a big thing and then we know there's an organization called valorant we have no idea if they're the good guys the bad guys whatever and there's a bunch of characters that we've already seen placed in at odds with one another and we also don't entirely know 
how that works. So we know like Jet, who we will talk about later, Jet and Phoenix, for example, are two characters in Valorant that we see chasing each other, whatever. And Sage and Phoenix, like Connor talked about earlier, that Sentinel, uh, are on a team in some sort of respect. We have no idea. However, at one point in one of those pre-round quips, uh, we'll, we, we actually get to hear Sage say, oh, uh, we are Valorant, we are fighters or whatever. Maybe that's implying she's part of Valorant. I d have no idea. And as a Sage player, I think that would mean that Valorants are the good guys, but... <laughs> Absolutely, I mean, you know, debatable. Debatable, um, but... But I, I would actually tend to agree. I think they're at least from the cinematics, which is the next point, setting up Valorant to be possibly the good organization. And that brings us to cinematics. Do you want to talk about the cinematics? Yeah, so going? one of the things I think I've loved about Riot Games um, and what they've done with League of Legends is that... It's the same thing that even though the game would do great on its own without having like a background story or lore or universe, um, they still add it. Um, and I think I'm also speaking for Lance here that those adding that really increases my and yours, I'm assuming, Absolutely. kind of enjoyment of the totally. game. Totally. Um, and so. They came out when they released the game, and I guess they've periodically done it when they've kind of moved on um, to like new content, and they've come out with these cinematics, and these cinematics are just going to highlight certain characters, and it's going to kind of, you know, show show like a short little narrative, and they're going to have more voice lines and everything, and just you know give you even more insight into their character, into like the personality, um, and even though this doesn't directly relate to the gameplay at all, I just think it makes the universe of the game and i guess like the community really appreciate it more because you know it just gives you more to think about absolutely i couldn't agree more you totally speak for me in yeah. that regard yeah um great well i think is there anything else we want to touch on on meta narrative no i think that is i mean it's just it's subtle but i think it adds to the experience especially if you're someone who appreciates delving into different you know universes or or whatnot but it's totally um, so moving on, we have to talk about map design in Valorant. And map design is a pretty important feature um, to any tactical first-person shooter. If you play Rainbow Six Siege, if you play Counter-Strike Global Offensive, you'll know that each map comes with its own set of challenges and usually is defender or attacker-sided. But Valorant takes maps one step further. And so we have, uh, what is this, five maps... Great, so we have five maps, and they're all feature-specific, which is, this is, I would say, Connor, I assume you would agree, like, the, the interesting thing about the maps in Valorant. Yes, I would agree. So, there's Ascent, which is this blown-up city raised into the sky. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge, see the first cinematic for some uh, context. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and so, the whole gimmick there on Ascent is there's doors, like these, uh, I don't know, very much your classic even like Star Wars-esque blast doors that uh, raise and lower that players can control to give them advantage when they are taking or defending a point. So that's a sense gimmick. There's Icebox, which is a like massive cargo dockyard in some sort of frozen area, very like Alaska-esque. Mm -hmm. um, so there are a bunch of different crates everywhere that some of, w of which you can even climb onto. And its gimmick is their zip lines uh, on one of the points where you can traverse back and forth very quickly um, by riding the zip line. Then we have Bind. Bind is a, I don't know, I, some sort of desert, I would say. Um, 
it is like half desert, half big uh, industry, big company. You're like half inside. Some How factory. Would you... Factory. Something. That's exactly yeah, the yeah, word. Yeah. Um, kind of like a factory in the middle middle of the desert somewhere. Absolutely. And their gimmick is teleporters. So at two different points of the map, you can take one-way teleporters to cross the map and get around it much quicker. This provides for some some pretty interesting gameplay, I would say. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. For sure. Um, and I think that these what these maps do is that the gameplay of Valorant being a tactical first-person shooter is pretty simple and so these small little additions and changes within each map is really easy to highlight and really kind of changes the game i, I would say i would agree yeah um but yeah we still the, the two other maps also have their other uh features yeah so we have split which is half like favela or like i don't know very much lower class settlement of uh, like a haphazardly put together area and then the other half of the map is this like super high-tech um cityscape juxtaposed onto this very i don't know distraught or it's like a culture smash yeah um and so hence the name split right so split's big thing is they have ropes which kind of translates a little bit into icebox but these are vertical rather than horizontal and they're set up in a few key areas to make it so you can traverse the map uh, a little bit easier and uh, find an, another way to get across it. The last one, maybe the most disruptive. What, what would you say about this last map? Um, uh, the last map. I think Haven. Yes, I would say it's very disruptive, and uh, maybe high stakes. I think it adds it adds a lot. It adds a lot. Definitely. If you're ever playing custom games in Valorant, this is the map where it's almost essential to have a full team. Yes. Um, because Haven, which Connor just said, the name of the map, its gimmick is that it has three points instead of just two, which means there are three places, three sites that you can plant or defuse the bomb rather than two, which means there's a whole other site that you have to defend as defenders or that you can go to as attackers. Uh, usually, this is why uh, Connor touched on Sentinels earlier, how they can hold a point alone. This is like the reason for their creation mm -hmm, because mm -hmm. there's just no way you can have two people at, at each point because there's only five people on your team and there's three points. And likely, you really want like three people on some of these points and two on another. And when that's not possible, you need a Sentinel to be able to hold that third point by themselves and be able to stall long enough for the team to rotate and get to them. Would you agree, Connor? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's this. I think that if you're playing on the map Haven and you don't have a Sentinel, that you can have a pretty tough time um, defending uh, against the people who are trying to plant the bomb. So an interesting addition or kind of interesting thing about that map, but it's I think it's necessary almost. So suffice to say, all of these maps, they, they tie together to create to add another element to the gameplay variance of Valorant and shake it up a little bit more than some of its competitors, which we'll talk about later. Overall, Connor, generally, do you think the map design... I mean, I, I guess it's pretty obvious. We think the map design contributes positively to mm -hmm. the gameplay experience. Mm -hmm. uh, but do you think there's too much? I know Valorant, the devs... Oh, sorry, before you, you hop in here. The devs have deliberately commented say, saying they don't want map queue in the game uh map queue being the ability to play only a certain map 
as like a player's choice. A map, I guess we should have explained this, it's random whatever map you play on. You could play on the same map five different times by luck, or you could play on five different maps five games in a row. Um, and the devs have said that there will be no map queue, which means, do you think it's possible for the game to like meet a threshold of too many maps eventually? That's That's actually an interesting point, because... I do think, like how we were just talking about how Haven needs a Sentinel, that each map you kind of have to consider um, a little more factors in to try and optimize your play uh, or your team or whatnot. So I think that the rollout of maps, I think, would will slow down from what they've done so far because they've released two, right, since the game's release. Yes, they've released Ascent and Icebox. Yeah, they've released two maps since the game's release. Um, And I think if they're going to, or I guess maybe they should, maybe slow down the release of maps because with each new map, it kind of adds a new... um, I mean, that's a whole new scenario that people have to consider. But I do think that's healthy for a game, especially once, um, like I said, that with the simple... Or not simple, but streamlined gameplay that a tactical first-person shooter provides. Um, having variance in your maps kind of gives you another factor to consider, um, which honestly is just going to make games more interesting and keep the game fresh if they keep releasing maps. So I do think it'll still be um, good, and I think that's what they're going to do is they're just going to have a steady release. Maybe not as quickly as they have um, releasing like two maps in under a year, but... I do think that's something they're going to continue to do because it just it gives the players something new to work with. I think totally, yeah. Um, but speaking about that and map design, I think my the biggest topics that I like to talk about uh, is the game balance and how I was just talking about how the game is very streamlined and there's not like a ton going on. I think that the game balance is a very interesting topic and there's a few things that Valorant does that. I think makes it very appealing and a lot better than maybe some of its competitors. Absolutely. And so this is the abilities versus the gunplay, because as I'm sure many of you are aware, but if not, adding abilities to a tactical FPS in this way, like Rainbow Six Siege has abilities, but those are definitely more, I would argue, combat of abilities, like feasibly military personnel could have these gadgets. Valorant is like, magic quote-unquote right like we're talking about like weird abilities stuff yes. that shouldn't technically be possible it's yes not like, all tech some of it is some of it is but some of it's along the lines of, of like superpowers yes um, absolutely like we were talking about with phoenix he can shoot fire out of his hands right yeah so materialize fire <laughs> materialize fire yeah so that brings us uh to our first topic which is gunplay our first of these two is gunplay and then we'll talk about abilities in a second so i know connor talks about gunplay as having a relatively even playing field in valorant uh we talked about the economy system a little bit at the beginning um but because despite the economy system anyone has access to every gun in the game at the beginning of every round the difference is can you afford said guns or not do you want to dive into why it's important to afford guns in Valorant? Yeah, so obviously there's a pretty there's a variety when it term, comes to the guns and how expensive they are. And the more expensive guns are, you could argue, would be better uh, or more versatile or whatever that means. Um, but what's interesting is that everyone can buy the same gun. So 
let's say there was a sniper rifle that was really, really good. Anyone can buy that gun as long as they get the necessary funds. And that's the same with all the guns. And I think what that means is that it's relatively easy to balance because there's not a ton of factors. So when it comes to balancing a game, you have to consider you know a lot of scenarios. And when each player has different things that they're doing, it can be really hard to try and find a good balance. But when you know that each player can have access to certain guns and those guns just do a certain amount of damage over a certain distance and they cost a certain amount, there's less factors to consider and it's easier to make sure that everyone is playing on the on a balanced playing field. Um, and even though that you might not have access to some guns because of your economy, um, it's still easy to be like, okay, well, let's try and think about if we want to make this gun, you know, more accessible, we can lower its price, or maybe this gun needs to do a little bit more damage to make it more feasible. There's just fewer factors to consider as like a balanced team. Um, for the main reasons that everyone has access to the same guns and they have very simple applications. It's inherently a math issue, right? Like yeah. to fine tune this, it's not it's not necessarily easy to get guns balanced, but once they are balanced, you're just tweaking for this very specific section of the game because I know people will yell at me for this. You're tweaking a variety of math values uh, such as accuracy, damage output, fire rate to dial in these mechanics uh, of the gunplay themselves to make it as balanced as possible. Would you kind of agree with that? Oh, yeah. 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 It's like, don't get me wrong. It's definitely still like quite a task to balance these guns and make sure that, you know, the price justifies the damage and the output. And there is a lot more when it comes to accuracy and whether or not it can penetrate certain materials right. um, and whatnot. But I do think that once you figure it out, it's a lot more easy to kind of stay on top of and kind of keep... Um, you know, balance within the consistent, game. Yeah. yeah, consistent, especially in relation to abilities. Yes, right, and that's that's where I think the real dichotomy exists, which we'll get to in a second. Um, but first, I want to talk about the categories of guns, and Connor, feel free to elaborate on any of these as we kind of jump in. So you start every single round of Valorant if you don't have a gun. Sorry, you keep your guns from previous rounds if you don't die. But if you do die, or at the beginning of every single game, you start the round with a classic which is just your typical your classic pun intended uh pistol that you know is pretty good i don't know just like a whatever gun i'd say in most rounds it's not really going to be viable at all based on every other gun in the game but on your base round if everyone had classics you could pretty much hold most angles do everything right it's a it's like a versatile pistol that doesn't do anything special yeah Hence the name classic. Um, okay, and that is the first gun in the categories of sidearms. We're not going to go through every gun in this game because it would take forever. Um, we're, we're breaking them down into categories based off how Valorant separates their guns. So we have sidearms. Connor, do you want to talk generally about how sidearms function in Valorant? Yeah, so sidearms, um, these are guns. So you have two slots for guns. You have a main gun and like a secondary gun um, and the guns that are considered your secondary are the sidearms. And so these are guns that are a lot cheaper, um, but they're not going to do nearly as much as maybe like an assault rifle or uh, a sniper rifle or something like that. Um, and so this is just going to have like mainly pistols or maybe some small shotguns. Um, and they're kind of like 
this shouldn't be your main gun, but there's scenarios where you might want to pull it out and it could be useful. Absolutely. So then from sidearms, we move to SMGs. Uh, these are typically guns that have a really, really quick fire rate, a small clip, and typically function at like the threshold of medium range, like no more than medium range yeah, by any means. Yeah. Um, and they're exceedingly good at short range to a point. Shotguns probably take the cake in that regard. Mm. But usually this is like the space between short and medium range. This is where you want an SMG. And this is going to be dictated by the maps, as we kind of talked about. Some maps are... They have tighter corners or they're more like inside, literally you're inside a building or something. So it makes more sense to have guns that are close ranged where others, uh, like a scent, for example, is very open and you're going to want probably a medium to long range gun. Yeah. Um, then we go to shotguns, which I think is pretty self-explanatory. Uh, anything you want to comment on on shotguns? Yeah, no, shotguns, it's just they're good at short range, but <laughs> if they're somewhat far away, then you're probably going to lose the fight. Yeah, uh, I think maybe something to note, there is one sidearm in the game, which is essentially a sawed-off shotgun. It's called the Shorty, and it performs a very similar function to most shotguns, except maybe even it's maybe even more debilitating. Uh, because it's a sidearm, it's super cheap, um, but as opposed to many shotguns in the game, it can't even function at more than basically point-blank range. Oh, yeah. Um, and so maybe just in the realm of shotguns, I thought it was probably notable to mention the Shorty. Then we go to rifles. <sighs> rifles, Connor. Rifles Rifles is your, your bread and butter. It is the guns that most people are going to buy because they are the most consistent and the most accurate, and they're going to deal a lot of damage. I would argue probably, even by the, the developer standards, probably the quote-unquote best guns in the game yes. for... Maybe not the most versatile. I know we talked about versatility. I think they're they're pretty good in most situations, but they're definitely just fire rate wise, they're pretty good. They're not SMGs, but they don't need to be. Uh, yep. Their damage output is insane. Usually, with any, I think with any rifle, yeah, in the game, if you get a headshot, it will be an instant kill. Which the same cannot be said for the classic, for example. Yes. Um. They also. Uh, especially like a gun like the Phantom. So there's two guns. I think we should just, you know, address the elephant in the room. There's two guns in the game, the Phantom and the Vandal, which are the keystone guns of Valorant. These yes. are like the two rifles that you pretty much run when every single time you can afford them, barring some strategic concerns, you're going to buy these, one of these two guns. Uh, do you want to explain the differences really quick between yep, the Phantom so and the Vandal? Yep, so they're pretty similar. Uh, the Vandal has um, a slightly lower rate of fire. Um, but it is more consistent over longer ranges. So regardless of how far you're away you are, if you hit somebody, it's going to deal the same amount of damage. Uh, the Phantom um, shoots a little bit faster. Um, does about the same damage, but there is more damage fall off. So if you are at a very long distance, then there's a chance that one headshot doesn't kill your um, doesn't kill your opponent right away. Um, and so, but it's, they're still very, very similar. And so maybe one's just a little bit more fine tuned for closer ranges with a faster fire rate. Uh, the other one, not so much. Absolutely. And so there's one other rifle called the guardian, just to mention it. And it is just, it's like an M one grand. If you're thinking about like an old call of duty game, it has like a slow fire rate. It is, um, it's not automatic. It's semi-automatic. And it has a pretty good damage output. It's very accurate. One of the most accurate guns in the game. But it's not going to see nearly as much play mm -hmm. as these other two guns. And 
just giving you that deep dive in rifles, that's that's just to contextualize how important these guns specifically are to the gameplay. You're almost always going to see those. And when we get to abilities, you're going to understand a little bit more why abilities are so pivotal. Because even if your team has only shotguns, you might be able to beat a team with five vandals. Yes. And we'll get to that in a second. So the last few categories are sniper rifles. Uh, Connor? Sniper rifles. So these are... It, they are perfectly accurate in that if you're aiming down your sight um, and it's on top of your opponent, then it's going to hit them and they're going to do very, very high damage. Um, and so obviously if you miss, then there's a chance that you die because they're going to have more opportunities to kill you. That's about it. Absolutely. Then we have machine guns, which is high rate of fire. Usually these are going to be good at medium range. Um, the biggest thing machine guns add is penetration. We kind of briefly mentioned this earlier, but penetration in Valorant works on a three-tier system. There is either no penetration, there is some penetration, or is there, there is a lot of penetration. Mm -hmm. So very, very technical terms, I know. But if I'm firing through a wall with a classic, I will never penetrate it. There's just no way for that gun to penetrate the wall. If I'm firing through it with, say, a sheriff, which is a basically like a magnum a revolver type pistol there is some good penetration and i'm going to be able to shoot through it and then if i'm firing through the wall with the odin which is basically a gatling gun that the character carries i'm going to be able to shoot pretty much directly through the wall no matter what the penetration is there's still variance um shooting through a wall obviously is not very accurate so that's that's the reason you know uh if you don't always do it but you're able to shoot through the wall which can lead to some pretty cheeky yes. plays yes definitely yes, yes. if you see an enemy hiding behind there and they don't know it's you instead of peeking that corner and like darting out to shoot them you can just shoot through the wall and get them and if you have a gun with penetration that's a viable strategy mm -hmm. um so that's i think pretty much it on machine guns uh, the scaling for them is usually they are pretty expensive they're either moderately expensive something like an smg uh, or they are about sniper rifle scaling um in terms of cost they're pretty yeah. expensive yeah um, another thing to mention is that you do have a knife. You always have this knife. You don't yep. have to buy the knife. It's always like your, you could say your tertiary weapon. Um, and considering it's a tactical shooter, it I think rarely ever comes in handy. The only thing about it is that you do run slightly faster if your knife is out rather than one of your guns are out. So if you're trying to um, move somewhere quickly, that's kind of where it comes into play. But in a in a standard game i don't think you're ever going to get a kill with a knife pretty much not uh i would say across the board all knife kills are like joke kills or they're like really uh i don't know bm bad mannered in the sense that you're sneaking up against somebody and like knifing them not because you couldn't kill them otherwise just because if you get a kill with a knife it's very much like a victorious feeling yes, it's, it's yes. so hard to do but i think there's a cool game design perspective to think about here as connor said and i think we're even underplaying it a little bit the ability to move quicker with your knife is really really important to tactical first person shooters and with a gun like the op operator for example which is a big sniper rifle when you shoot it there's like a very big recoil like this is a massive sniper rifle if you take out your knife after you shoot it you can kind of like get back into your cover afterwards and there's a little bit of strategic nuance there i think the main reason though is exactly what you said you're ever almost never gonna 
get a knife kill in Valorant, right? Yeah. So the main reason for that people use the knife is for that speed boost, right? Because oh, yeah. without that speed boost, why would you ever take out your knife? Oh, yeah. And the cool thing is when you take out your knife, switching back to a gun actually matters because every gun in the game has a different equip time, how long it takes to pull the gun out. And that almost wouldn't matter if you didn't get the speed boost. So just kind of an interesting concept to, to talk about. Yeah, it's very subtle, but it does it really does actually add a lot. Because like I was saying, um, you can imagine a scenario that let's say you're peeking out of a window with a sniper rifle and then you see somebody and you shoot and you miss. It's gonna you you can't shoot again and you know for a few seconds. For a few seconds. So if they're still looking at you, you're probably screwed. You probably want to get out of the way. But you, so you, yeah, you probably want to get out of the way. And the faster you can do that, I mean, even if it's half a second or whatever, I mean, that's still that could still mean that you live instead of die. And so if you shoot and you miss, pull out your knife, then you can quickly get out of the way and hopefully not not get shot back. Um, and so it's interesting. It's interesting, but it's also nice that there still is the functionality of the knife that you can use it to try and kill somebody, but that's don't that's not really its main purpose. Absolutely. So we talked about um, all of the guns. We talked about the diff- the map differences in the sense of some maps will cater to certain gun types more. And we also talked kind of about the linearity of the gun system in the sense that there is a degree of simplicity to balancing guns where the same cannot be said for our next topic. Woohoo, we are two abilities now. Um, and so our ability conversation, the whole point is as opposed to guns, abilities have high variance in the sense of every character has to be balanced in a way that is not numeric, right? There's no way to balance a flashbang to an earthquake, which is an ability in this game, uh, in a direct sense, right? So there's a little bit more confusion here and a lot more contention in what makes a character versus a gun good. Would you agree, Connor? Yes. I would perfectly agree because, like I said, with a gun, the Vandal, if we go back to that example of the rifle, it has one purpose and it's the same purpose for everyone. Yep. Characters and abilities are completely different. Everyone's going to have different abilities, which means they're going to have different use cases um, as well as just, you know, different scenarios in which they're good. And which means if you want to have each character to be viable and each character to not be too good, there's a lot more you have to think about and consider when it comes to balancing. Absolutely. So let's give an example. I guess we we have an encounter example bullet point on here. So there is some sort of site. It doesn't really matter. For this purpose, let's say it is a square with an elevated area that covers half of it, right? So half of it is in the is like a few feet up where you can't just like get to that area easily, right? And the other area is on the ground, ground level. So that's that's our scenario. Now we're going to go through three characters and how they could potentially plant the bomb on this site in different ways related specifically to their kits. So I'll start. Well, before, oh, before you get into it. it, I do want to explain that this is why I think the abilities of Valorant, I think this is one of the reasons I think this game has been very successful and somewhat yes. popular. Because... I'll explain to you a scenario that let's say you as the defender um, are able to just hold your gun and hold your and just look at a corner. And so if they peek the corner, 
you have the advantage, right? You're able to just shoot them because you're going to see them first before they see you. I think that if that was just the game and that that was it, it was just you had guns yep. and you were shooting people whenever you saw them, it would be pretty hard. And there wouldn't be a lot of variants and things you can do. Very defender-sided, for yeah, sure. Yeah, it would be defender-sided and it would be a matter of, yeah, they either miss you and then you hit them or <laughs> yep. they hit you and that's it. There's, totally. there's nothing else you can really do. Like that's, that's all you can do. Mm-hmm. But abilities really allow you to have many options. And so Lance, yeah, go through and see kind of explain Absolutely. how that could. Okay. So I'll start with Phoenix. Then you can do Brimstone. Kind of fruition, yeah. So for Phoenix, we already have mentioned him a few times during this episode. Phoenix has a, an ability that creates a firewall that he can curve in a few different directions before it reaches its max length. So say there's a bunch of defenders watching this square with the elevated option. He can literally create, and I've done this before, it's hard, but possible, a circle of fire around himself to plant the spike. Or he can curve it in a way where he's blocking off maybe two or three of them and can take that 1v1 as a duelist and get that kill. So he can then plant while his firewall's still up and the other people can't shoot him. Let's talk about Brimstone now and how he would do that completely differently. And okay, so Brimstone, one of his abilities is that he pulls out his little wrist gadget um, and he can, within a specified radius, drop smoke um, on different areas of the map. So he could be very far away from a certain location, not even be able to be seen from a certain location, yep. but he could drop down like a circular smoke that blocks vision. So like I was saying, let's say that there was someone just watching uh, a certain corridor or a certain corner, right? If you could just only peek that corner, there's nothing you can do. But if you can place down a smoke from very far away, if you can place down a smoke from far away, then you can shuffle up that entire encounter. So instead you could place a smoke where you think they are, so then they can't see you. They can't see that corner, which gives you an opportunity to kind of sneak around. And you can kind of try and limit off these you know, contested points um, so that you can peak these corners with more safety. Absolutely. And then now we're going to go to a third character who we've barely touched on so far. This is Jet. And she is a um, a very much uh, a mobile character. And we'll, we'll get into these categories in one second. But her, 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 wow, her whole kit revolves around enhanced mobility. And so... Again, there's a reason that this elevated platform is in this scenario. So Jet has a dash ability where she can move really quickly, basically a gust of wind, that's her whole concept, forward. And she can also jump by conjuring like a wind from below to elevate her. And she can summon a wind spiral that's, for all intents and purposes, a really short-lasting smoke grenade. So Brimstone's grenades, not grenades, uh, smoke fields, whatever, smoke orbs, they last for, I think it's it's a long time. Yeah, they um, last for a while. A matter of 30 seconds, something like that. Jet smokes are only lasting for like five seconds, so like super sm- short amount of time, but it only takes four seconds to plant a spike. So imagine the scenario, Jet dashes in, People obviously aren't predicting a dash, so they have to rotate to her. She jumps up, throws a smoke grenade, plants the spike. Bam. Four people, they couldn't get her. That's just a totally new way to approach this. That's completely different from Phoenix and Brimstone. And there are 14 characters, and so we're not going to go through all of them. But to give you an idea of the variance there, 
there are so many different ways you can accomplish this task of planting a spike just with your character kits alone. This isn't even talking about, oh, maybe one person has a sniper, one person has a shotgun, whatever. Um, so Connor, you want to jump into categories? Yeah, so basically there's obviously a lot of abilities that are kind of super unique, but we've kind of determined that all abilities can kind of be put into these six, six categories. categories. Yeah, six categories. So the first one is healing. So there are scenarios in which you get into a, a firefight and you kill them and then you survive. Um, obviously, you you know, you have a health bar or health values that is going to be lowered. Um, and so there's some characters who can raise that back up. So you have a better chance to win the next fight you get into. Um, the second one is your smoke. So we came up with multiple examples and smokes is just abilities that are supposed to limit vision. So most of them are like orbs. So they're like half spheres that you place onto the map. And if you can't see through them, you can't see past them. You can't see out of them if you're within that radius. Um, and it's, the goal is to limit uh, vision. And then kind of in tandem to that, you have what's called flashes. And these are more um, short-term, I'm only going to limit your vision, not both of our visions. So, for example, Phoenix, um, he has an ability where he kind of throws out, I don't know what you say it, like a spark. Orb of fire. Orb of fire that explodes and like a flashbang, anyone who's looking at it, gets blinded and they can't see anything. So he can throw that um, flashbang out or that flash out. And then that means that the person who sees the flash, either A, has to look away because they don't want to get blinded or they get blinded. Either way, you can peek out and now you kind of have that defender advantage of I'm looking at the corner before you are. Um, and so those are two abilities that are trying to limit vision and make it so it's not just that standard i get to see you first that's it um third one is enhanced mobility so just like with jet it means that you can move around easier than other people um which makes it harder for them to shoot you uh something like that uh the fourth one is scouting and so just like i said that with brimstone and you're trying to play smokes you don't know where they are you might think okay based yeah. on this map they're probably going to be in one of these two areas. But sometimes you just don't know. And if you don't know, you could be wrong. So some characters have scouting abilities that allow them to or give them certain information. For example, when we talked previously about Cypher, who's a sentinel, um, he has cameras. So he can throw his cameras out into a wall and then he can look through the camera. And that allows him to see, oh, is there somebody watching this corner? If there's not, well, then maybe that gives you a chance to proceed. Otherwise, you can say, okay, maybe we should go somewhere else, or okay, now maybe we need a flash or a smoke. Um, and so that can just, you know, it just gives you another advantage. Um, the fifth one is damage alternatives. And so what we said is the only way to kill people is with guns. Um, but there are characters that have abilities that deal damage. So, for example, there's a character called Raze, and she has a classic grenade. And so she can throw yep. the grenade, and it deals damage if it hits you. Otherwise, it, you know whatever um and so obviously i'm sure you can think about all the different um use cases that this has but uh you know it gets them out of the way they have to move it can maybe get you a kill if they're stuck somewhere um so that's the fifth one and then the sixth one is you have kind of defensive abilities and these are usually found on the sentinels um so for example cypher has the trip wires sage has a wall that she puts up that if you want to get through 
you have to shoot the wall. And so if you hear them shooting the wall, you know, oh, hey, <laughs> there's team, people coming. <laughs> there's people here. Let's get over here. Um, and so they all do achieve different. They all kind of all do achieve the same thing in different ways in terms of I'm trying to like limit your vision or limit where you are or find out where you are. Um, but they all just do it in different ways and have different use cases, of course. I also think it's pertinent to briefly mention that every single character has a tactical ability. Um, and it's literally called a tactical ability. I think it's a little misleading. But what that means is there's one ability that every single character has that recharges in some way. It either recharges over time. So uh, a person like... Uh... Actually, now that I'm thinking about it, not all characters have tactical abilities. Like well, Brimstone thought... doesn't have a tactical ability. No, 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 no. His... Um... Are you talking about the ability that recharges? Yeah. No, I think he does. His doesn't his his Molly. His recharge? Molly doesn't. No. Oh. That's okay. Most characters have a tactical ability, and so the main thing with tactical abilities is they're usually the weakest ability that the character has. They're always still good, or else they'd be useless. But it's like the weakest one. So if you have a character like Raze, her ultimate ability is that she fires a massive rocket that blows up, basically an RPG. Um, that blows up an area. And if she could do that every 20 seconds, that'd be incredibly good. So that's not the case. Her grenade is her tactical ability. But there's another level of nuance to how they balance this. And some tactical abilities are recharged based off getting two kills, and others are time-based. So those are the two ways to recharge tactical abilities. Um, and usually, they're probably a vision ability uh, or a smoke ability rarely are they a mobility ability or a damage dealing ability those are almost always the kill ones yeah. to recharge rather than time-based ones yeah and i don't want to go too much into it i just thought it was necessary to mention that in our discussion of abilities but this leads us to the big point this culminates in multilinearity, uh which is the variance we're talking about in a positive way this is how the game in our opinions at least is better for having abilities versus just gunplay and it also is a little bit wider, I would argue, and we'll get to this later, it's also more accessible because of this variance. But we'll talk about that later. So do you want to go over the pros and cons of multilinearity in this regard? Um, sure, yeah. So I think with the introduction of abilities, it allows you to have multiple scenarios. Um, like I was saying, it when if there was just guns and you're watching a corner, it's not going to go a lot of different ways. But with the addition of abilities, that gives you options, right? And when it comes to game design or games, giving players options was, in general, something you want to do because that allows them to feel like they have a say in playing the game, outplaying their opponents, or whatever. So giving them more options, giving them a variety of options based off of which character they pick, I think adds to encounters and just the gameplay itself to be a lot more varied. Whereas if abilities weren't here, I just don't think that'd be the case. I agree. Um, I think the addition of abilities allows you to, to do more things from an area that can be mitigated. And we'll talk about this. Uh, later by skill um, so you can do things where skill isn't the primary determining factor at high levels it always is right but we're talking about like the general player base you can mitigate skill differences by there being variance in the game 
And the con, did you just mention the con? Am I an idiot? I did not know. I did not mention the con. Uh, The con is that it's harder to balance these. It's really hard to balance these, in fact. There is one character in the game named Viper who we have not talked about. And for good reason, because Viper is a controller who can do a lot of cool stuff. But compared to every other character in the game, she's, she's one pretty hard to play effectively. She can slice up lines but not in way or vision lines, but not in ways that are super beneficial to the team or maybe better to say in ways that are really difficult to do. Her ultimate ability lets her put up a massive toxin field. Basically imagine a big gas cloud that never disappears in her location. But the problem is she has to get to that location before she can do that. And it's possible that people can just shoot randomly into it. And if they kill her, it goes away. And so she's been a point of contention since Valorant has been released in the sense that the devs have tried consistently to refactor her, change her abilities, make her more playable. And they've actually announced that she's getting some sort of rework. I don't know if it's a full rework, but... Yeah, so they've basically, when they come out with their updates um, and they add little balance changes or whatnot, I think consistently, relatively, Viper has just been receiving buffs right so they've been adding certain things to try and make her better they're making her abilities better they're making her abilities more useful every single patch and still she's still after a consistent yeah after consistent updates she's just still not not good enough um and so yeah they've announced that okay we're gonna just kind of rework her and really just try and reimagine redo her abilities and this just goes to show that abilities are just harder to balance it's just a lot harder to balance and another character the character i play actually sage um has gone through kind of the opposite effect where she's just kind of been too good and especially you can say in high level play and just in kind of the base um community you could almost see her on every single team she was especially when the game launched too especially when the game launched um and so she's kind of received some pretty significant uh nerfs right so they've tried to make her abilities less useful um you know less versatile whatever um but even though that's been the case she's still viable still viable and still sees a lot of play and i think this is like an interesting thought right i think it's the difference between if there and there have been a few problems with the gunplay in the game if there's a problem with the gunplay in valorant the players chalk it up to oh dang like i'm bad at this game or this game sucks but if there's a problem with the abilities it feels more unfair because if you have a Viper on your team and they don't, it feels like you're being singled out and the problem. Whereas if you're having a problem with the gun, the other team has the exact same problems. And yeah. they maybe are mitigating the differences, maybe they're not. But because of that asymmetry, it's a little bit different. 